Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Paul would explain to them that what we do is good after we come to Christ. But Easter is all about Jesus going to the cross, taking our sins on him, and then dying for our sins, and three days later being resurrected. Jesus would say this on the cross. Finish it with me. Here we go. It. So it's not what I do. Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. When it comes to trying to relate to God, humans always seem to want to have to do something to bridge that gap and merit God's pleasure. Look around. There are all kinds of religions, from Scientology to Buddhism, that claim to have the solution to filling the God-shaped hole that's in every person. Today, Pastor Mark will be telling the story of another man, a jailer, who asked the same question of the Apostle Paul. Paul will point this man to the true answer, which no work by man can attain. Paul will show you, just as he did the jailer, that the route to completeness runs only through Jesus Christ. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 16 as he continues his message, Led by the Holy Spirit. You ever complain when God puts you in a circumstance that you didn't want to be in? Everybody just say yes. Let's just confess right now, everybody. We've all been there. Why is this going on? What's the deal with this, God? Well, is that what Paul and Silas did? No, exactly the opposite. Look at verse 25. About midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, I want to ask you a big question. Were Paul and Silas out of the will of God? Hmm? No. When we follow the Spirit, how can we be out of the will of God? Of course, we're not out of the will of God. So they're smack dab in the middle of the will of God. But what do you think Satan's saying to them? And remember the battle is in the, and we think about it. Why am I here? This is miserable. I'm not going to tell God that I wish you'd taken me up there to Turkey. You don't have to tell God. He already knows what we're thinking. But see, when they did that, Satan's the one that comes in and lies and basically says to us, you missed it. Or here's what he loves to say to all of us. Where's your loving God? Really? You obey God and this is what you get? Any of you ever question that in your life? All of us. Now, when you see that, 
we have to understand that spiritual warfare. Now, how could they move from doubting, if they did at all, to praying and singing hymns to God? One way. They would have started thinking about the good things God had done for them. One of the things I have in a devotional, and I have a devotional I do every day, different people I pray for and circumstances. When I come across certain scriptures, I put those in there, that kind of thing. One of the things I do is when times get difficult, one of the great things to do is go back to all the good times you've had with God. Just those memories, those memories. So just in the last few days that they've been there in Philippi, what good things happened? Well, let me give you just three. I'm sure they probably said, well, thanks, God. We don't like the circumstances here, but thanks for Lydia and all the new Christians. Wow. What a privilege we had. Thanks for freeing that young girl from demons. And thanks that while we did that, your powerful witness in this pagan city was evident. Remember, people were watching. Now, how were they able to pray and praise? Here's your next mission possible. Paul and Silas react with faith and joy instead of complaining and fear. We've been there. They react with faith and joy. It's going to be all right. Now, how do we react when we get into prisons in our life? Circumstances that are difficult. Let me give you a couple ideas. The prison of pain. Sickness. Suffering. How in the world do we react? The prison of defeat. Loss of a job. Persecution. A best friend. Gossips and lies about you. Stabs you in the back. A spouse walks off after many years of marriage. And the prison of discovering that the things we thought were going to go this way went way down under. When we talk about that, what you understand is this. God has always told us in his word, Jesus specifically, in this world, you'll have no trouble. <laughs> Praise God, I'll be a Christian right now. No, in this world, you're going to have what? Trouble. Did Jesus have trouble? Of course, all of us have trouble. But when you think about that, how do we react? Well, we want to have that positive attitude to it. And you'll see why in a moment. Now, verse 25, look at the end. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I would call that a captive audience. That's a prison. We're on video at the prison. We are in Orlando every Saturday night. They're not going here. By the way, the rooms where they hold that on Saturday night are always packed full with prisoners. Praise God. And they're watching and listening. See, the whole prison was watching and listening to Paul and Silas sing. They were light spiritually in a dark place. Even though they're not guilty of anything, they're filled with praise for God. Now, when that happened, 
What did that prison become? I want you to write it down. Watch this. Mission possible. The whole prison becomes a mission field. Do you realize how many people are watching you in your life? When people see Christians and they know you're a believer, they're watching your life. Now, you probably don't know it, but they know it. And they're watching what's happening in your life. When difficult things happen to you as a Christian, just like they happen to them, they're watching how in the world you're going to get through it. They watch at work. They watch at school. They watch in the marketplace. They watch in the soccer field. And if we react positively, they want to know where the hope came from. How can you have hope in this circumstance in your life when sometimes it's very difficult? Now, remember, the Bible says, I can even praise God in times of difficulty. Why? Because number one, he's in control. And number two, Romans 8, 28, he will work out that prison, that disappointment, that just hurtful thing, that, that sickness, that difficulty. He'll work that out in the end for his good, which is my good of growing in my faith for God. I want to pray for us just right here, just for a second. Some of you are going through difficult times right now. You don't have to listen to me. I know life. Sometimes I go through some very difficult things with all the crazy sickness and crud that we all have to go through. But many of you have all varied kinds of things. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to end with something I think will help you. Very quick prayer. Father, you know us today. You know where we're at. We're Christians. And if we go through troubles that didn't come because of sin, you've allowed it. We don't understand it. But we want to just say, thank you. Thank you for all the good times. Thank you for the wonderful thing. Thank you that your presence is still with us. And most of all, we know that our hope is not in the circumstances of life. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Would you work out good things for these lovely people? And may they leave with hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I want to say one thing to you. Joy comes in the morning. Hold on. Amen. All right. Now look at verse 26. Suddenly, while they're singing, they bring the house down. You'll get it in a moment, a little slow with the humor. Maybe you don't know the story. Okay, here we go. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake. They brought the house down. That the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came loose. Now, I can imagine in an earthquake, all the doors opening. Can't you? Natural. Done. But how can every chain on every prisoner come off of them with an earthquake? That's called supernatural from God. Pastor Mark, that's impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Do you see it? Do you see it? They're probably looking like, say what? 
The door's off. Ah! Oh, we're free. Wow. Well, that's God. That's God doing this. Now, why did God do this? Sometimes we miss the whole thing. What were Paul and Silas doing? They were praying to God and they were worshiping God. God loves to hear our prayers and he loves to answer and he loves to hear us praise him. Amen. So that to me was the answer. Now look at verse 27. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword, was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. You see, when he sees that happening, he automatically knows the doors are open. They're gone. There's nobody in the prison. And I'm a dunner. It's over. When the people come, they're not going to accept that as an excuse. I'm going to be killed. I'll probably be beaten. I'm just going to kill myself. It's easier. It'd be less painful. And he knew that basically he had no hope. The night before, everything's fine. He's in control. He's lost control. But Paul, look at verse 20. He shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Let me ask you a question. If you were there in that prison that day, would you be the last one out the door? Oh, go ahead. Thank you very much. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. What would you be? Let's just put it up like this right now. Come on, everybody. I'd be a first baby right out of that door. Can I hear an old me right now? You say, Pastor Mark, that would never happen. Oh, yes, it would. I'm out of here. How did those people stay? We don't know. But I think they were inquisitive. Everything that just happened around them. They heard Paul and Silas singing. We don't know what impact they ever had on those people. But I guarantee they never forgot that day. And when they were singing to God and praising God, that was all new to them. They didn't get all that. But they knew something was different. Notice the jailer fell trembling before Paul and Silas. What a difference 12 hours makes. 12 hours before, he's putting him in the socks in his feet. Look at verse 30. He brought them out and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, why did the jailer ask, what must I do to be saved? We really don't know, except it's easy to kind of go into the story. No doubt this jailer heard the story of how Paul and Silas, about their God, who was a different kind of a God, a God that was alive. They heard the story. He would have known the demon-possessed girl. Very common in the city. Not a big city. He would have known that she was freed by this God of Paul and Silas's. He knew that the earthquake was supernatural. That the doors came off. And yet the prisoners were still in the jail. That's impossible for him to think. But God orchestrated it that way. He wanted what Paul and Silas had. I believe he heard them singing during the night. Praising God. In spite of what they were suffering. So he opened his heart. 
And he says, what these two have, I want. And watch what happens. Go back to the verse. Look at verse 30. What must I, circle this in your Bible. What must I do to be saved? That's a common problem in our world today. Big problem. Because people think if I do enough good things, I'm going to heaven. First thing he says, what must I do to get what you have? But Paul would explain to them that what we do is good after we come to Christ. But Easter is all about Jesus going to the cross, taking our sins on him, and then dying for our sins, and three days later being resurrected. Jesus would say this on the cross. Finish it with me. Here we go. It. So it's not what I do. Jesus has already done everything that needs to be done. Well, then, Pastor Mark, what's left for me? Well, watch what Paul says. Here it is. Look at it. Verse 31. Come on. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. Now, when you see that happening, how could he believe? To believe, you have to have faith. Where in the world did this prisoner have faith? What did Paul just do to him? Preach the word to him. Where does faith come from? Do you got it? That's where the faith came from. That's why I'll teach the word of God. Because the people that aren't believers, they don't have faith. But when they hear about our God, faith rises up. And that's how you can believe. That's how we did it. God gave us that blessing. Now, look at verse 33. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his household were baptized. Now, we understand in that house would have been children and workers and whatever. They had to be old enough to understand salvation and personally believe and trust in Christ himself. That's why we dedicate our children at a young age. But they must, when they get to the age of understanding salvation, sin, and the wonderful gift of salvation, they have to decide for themselves. So that's what happened here. Now, look at verse 34. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. You think Paul and Silas said, I wonder if this jailer is going to fix us dinner tomorrow night. What do you think Silas would have said? Paul, that's impossible. But look what happens. I mean, 12 hours before, you'd never guess they're the guests of the jailer. He never would guess he's serving them a food. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. Now think about that. This is long. You don't need to write it, but you need to understand it. Here it is. Mission possible. God delivers his servants so they may share the gospel and the jailer's whole family become Christians. 
I'm going to challenge you with something. When you looked at that jailer, or really any of the people in that town, the owners of the slave girl, if you looked at them and they're pagan worshipers, you're probably saying in your heart, impossible. They'll never come to Christ. But you have to understand, that's not God's heart. I want you to think about your journals, your prayer journal, your prayer journals. Now, I've discovered this myself, that sometimes when I have this little list of neighbors and I keep asking, keep inviting, and what do they keep saying? No, no, no. You know what I can do? I can just move to another list and I just leave them behind. I don't forget about them, but they're not on my list. If you've done that today, it'd be a good thing to rewrite them on your list again. Because why? Nothing is impossible with God. Do you know, I guarantee you, some of you here had friends who said, never going to happen. But here you are. And God changed your life. Amen. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, how can you be so positive with that? Well, because we know it's God's will that how many perish? None. I want you to listen to this verse. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us. And then look at this verse. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Here's the last mission possible for you. God says you can do all things. I want you to do. And what does God want us to do? Seek and save those who are lost. Which includes often the first step being prayer. Don't give up on them. Put them back on your list. And let's watch God do the impossible because that's who he is in our hearts and lives. Amen. Amen. Now, one more thing. When Paul planted that church, he never had this in his mind. But the church at Philippi had a history with the apostle Paul, the rest of his ministry. The church at Philippi funded Many things for the Apostle Paul because they loved him. So that church that he would have never gone to without the Holy Spirit leading him helped fund his ministry for the rest of his life. Is that amazing? Did God know that? God went, oh my goodness. (laughs) Of course he knew it. He's able to what? Provide everything we need. We just have to follow him. Today, Pastor Mark continued his teaching called Led by the Holy Spirit. He kept speaking about the mission that Jesus entrusted to all of his followers and how sometimes God will put pressure on you to get you to trust him. You heard about how God used Paul and Silas, even in unjust situations, to spread the love of Jesus and to complete the mission they'd been given. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Well, this wraps up Pastor Mark's teaching series called Led by the Holy Spirit. We hope that it encouraged you to begin to put more faith in God and to discover the mission He has for you to complete. May you deepen your relationship with and dependence on the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to lead you into new and amazing adventures, impacting your world for Christ. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.